lives. I want to mention one more thing is that also on your seat, you probably saw this, You Can Help Your Team Win little card. And this is the message series that we're kicking off next Sunday. But it's actually correlating with the themes, some of the things we're talking about at Champ Camp. And the idea is, just as we're helping families win at being a family, that we're going to look at what are the ingredients that help you make your team win wherever you are, whether it's work or your family or a sports team or a church, involvement in a church. God wants you to bring something to that environment to make it a winning team. And um, it's going to be a great, we're trying to tie it in with Champ Camp 2 to, to help the families we're serving um, make that connection too. So to invite people to that as well. All right, finding family. I'm going to raise this just a touch. My favorite movies are starting to get more and more dated. So how many of you have seen the 2000 movie Family Man? Yeah, like 20% of you. Great. So it's one of my favorite movies, and this movie came out in 2000. Nicolas Cage is the, the main actor, uh, Jack, and his, his, the counterpart, his love interest, is Kate, played by Tay Leone. And the idea is the movie starts, he, he's, Jack is living, Nicolas Cage, known as Jack in the movie, is living in New York City. He's a successful Wall Street broker. So he's actually in the midst of closing this multi-billion dollar merger between two companies. He's in his mid-30s. He's living the successful New York financial single life. Um, has not had a family. He's devoted himself to his career and has been very successful. And through a series of events, it's one of those stories where he goes back in time to see like, what would have happened if he had made a different decision 13 years earlier, which was when he had had a, a girlfriend in college and they basically parted ways because they were each pursuing their own career interests. And, of course, he went on to be highly successful, and she went on to be a highly successful corporate lawyer. And, but in this, he finds himself, he wakes up, and he's in this lower middle-class suburb in, like, New Jersey. And it's, it's not nearly as nice as the lifestyle he's used to. And he's got these rugrat kids running around, and... Taya Leone is his wife, and he doesn't know what's going on at first, but he finds himself back in this family, he became a family man, back in the family he would have experienced if they hadn't broken up 13 years earlier. And at first, he hates it, he's like barely making any money, he's, a, he's selling tires with his father-in-law, um, he's, he's working his tail off but not making a lot of money, the kids, you know, diapers and baby issues and children issues. And it's like this really, like, he can't stand it. But the more he gets in it, the more his heart changes and the more he, he's loving what he's, he, that this, this experience of family that he had not been experiencing before. And I won't give the whole movie away because maybe the 80% of you might watch it someday. But basically he, he came to realize, wow, there is something about family that is really, really important. And that's what I want. And... And we're, we're talking today about finding family. Uh, there's something in, in, in all of our hearts that at our core, we're looking for family. We're looking for a closeness of relationships. We're looking for a place where we belong. You know, even as we were singing, um, one of the lines was talking about, God, may you bring your kingdom, may your kingdom come. And I was just thinking, in one of the ways where we experience God's kingdom, the reality of God's kingdom the most is in our relationships with other people, that 
that is an evidence of God's reign and his, his ways coming into our life, is that it brings us into a depth of relationship and a kind of relationship that we cannot experience any other way. Um, I've been reading a book recently by a pastor named Jeff Little, and it's called It's Worth It, but he, he, he said this in the book. He said, I believe this desire to belong, to be loved, to be placed in a family is so strong, we can't deny it. Even when we give up on it, we can't stop thinking about it. We can't stop longing for it. It's, hard, it's hardwired into our system. And I think we all resonate with this desire, but we also resonate with the difficulty we can have in experiencing it and living it out. And the good news is, is that God's plan is for us to be part of a family. And I'm not just talking about a natural family this morning, about, you know, find a husband, find a wife, have kids. No, I'm talking about something, even as, as important as that is, and meaningful as that is, I'm talking about spiritual family. I'm talking about God wanting to bring us into his family, into his church, into that kind of experience of family that we long for in our hearts. In Psalm 68, verse 5, and this is really our, it's a short verse, but it's really our, our theme verse for this morning. Psalm 68, 5 and 6, we read, A father of the fatherless, a father of the fatherless, man, that's so appropriate today in our generation. A generation of many grow up without dads, many have dads, but there's not a connection with their father. Because God is a father of the fatherless and a defender of the widows is God in his holy habitation. What it's saying is that for those who don't have family, God brings family. God is the Father who brings us into the family experience that we were meant for. A father of the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. Isn't that great? God takes the solitary and sets us in families. And this is, if you look at how God has worked with people throughout from the very beginning. When God made Adam, it wasn't just to be alone. In fact, God looked at him and said, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. And it wasn't like God was figuring it out as he went. Like, oh, yeah, I was just going to have one, but now let's change the plan because this isn't so good. But no, he made, God, he made Adam alone first to highlight the point that us being solitary is not good. But he made Adam and then Eve to, to become a family and have children. When God saved Noah, he didn't just save Noah, but he saved, he saved Noah's family. And he said, well, yeah, if you think about it, he had to, because if he didn't save his family, then the whole human race would have died out, and God's plan couldn't have been accomplished. And that's exactly it. That without family, God's purposes can't be realized. What God wants to do in the world can't happen apart from this experience of family. Um, next week, we're going to talk more about Abraham and the promise to him, which was, hey, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you a great family. And the purpose of your family isn't just for you, but it's that all the families of the earth will be blessed. God's purpose is to bless families and to build family. And ultimately, the church is a family. God's plan A, it's not his plan B, it's not just something on the side, but God's ultimate plan for us to come into the relationships we're meant to experience is through the church. In, in 1 Timothy 3, Paul is writing, the Apostle Paul, and he says, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, 
you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. He says, the church of the living God is God's household, or God's family. That's when God talks about the church, he uses family language because that's what a church is. And so we're going to talk about, okay, how do we, how do we come into that more fully? And so I'm just going to ask you all a question. We're you know, nice and informal here this summer. Um, just a couple of you blurt out your thoughts to, the, your, to this, this question. What is a family? What makes a family? Someone get a couple thoughts. Unity. Unity. Good. Awesome. Blood. Heard that somewhere back there. Okay, yeah, I think that's the blood connection. It's the obvious natural family. Yeah, Josh. Love. Yeah, very good. Um, it's interesting that, you know, the blood answer is what, like, the, the official natural definition of a family is, you know, a man and a woman come together, and then they have children. There's a blood connection. And we have sayings like, blood is thicker than water. But, you know, two out of three of your answers were not so much about that, but about the quality of unity and love and the dynamics of a family. And that's, that's really what a family is all about. I asked, I asked my eight-year-old, my nine-year-old son, Ian, this question a couple of days ago, and I thought his answer was really good. And this, if you're following the bulletin, this, there are going to be a couple blanks for, for answers. This is not one of those, but it's kind of a preamble. But he said, a family is people who live together. I thought, I was like, yeah, that's good. And the more I thought about it, I was like, that's really good. <laughs> people who live together. It's, because, and it's not just like, you know, you can live together and not live together. You can live under the same roof, but not really be living together. And that's the essence of what God is calling us to in family. What he has for us is people who are joining our lives together, living in community, living in relationship, um, not, just, not just coming together for a few hours a week, but, but really being together and living life together in that real sense. Um, I want to break it down a little more. And this, if you, are, if you have your bulletin, if you're taking notes somewhere else, this, this, and there's so much we could say. But I just want to, I just really felt prompted to highlight a few things. I believe God is calling us, and many of you here, to, that there's something that he will, will speak to you this morning out of this. And a family, another thing a family is, a family is established relationships. Established relationships. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm not sure. I'm kind of confused. No, just joking. I think I know what I mean by that. Uh, established relationships. A natural family starts when two people say, I do. You know, John and Brogan just got married two weeks ago. And, you know, Manny and Lori got married one week ago. Yeah. It's just weddings happening all over the place. Eddie and Jenny, I think, are next in two more weeks. Yeah. So their family, their family will start when they look each other in the eye and make a commitment, a solemn commitment to say, I do. I do take you to be my wife. I do take you to be my husband. I pledge of myself to give my life for you. There's an establishing of the relationship. The Bible calls this, this it's a committed relationship, but the Bible talks about a covenant relationship. And this is, there's a sense of, it's not just casual relationships. But there's an intentional 
joining of ourselves together with other people. We look at, in the book of Acts, we're going to look at this a little bit later on, but in Acts 2, when the church, the day the church was really birthed, it says that people repented of their sins, and they were baptized, and it says 3,000 people were added to their number that day. That's speaking of an establishing of relationship. They were joining, they were, they were saying, okay, I'm a believer, and now I'm joining myself to this community. I'm not going to be living independently anymore, or these other these other associations, but now there is an establishing of this relationship with this family of God. And I'm joining that. I'm, 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 cho- I'm being committed to that. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, there's a verse. I think this is one of the most radical verses in the Bible. And we talk about this in our, our church membership class, Experiencing Christian Community. And honestly, I feel like this is the concept that people kind of like nod their head and go, yeah, yeah, that's good. But I feel like goes over our heads so easily. We don't really get it. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, or the members of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Think about what that's saying there. God places the parts of the body, the members of the church, the members of his family, he places them in his family, just according to the way he wants them to be. What's that saying? Well, that's saying, well, we have different roles, and we don't really choose our role. And this passage talks about that. But it also says, where you're connected in the body isn't our choice. It's not my choice, it's not your choice, it's God's choice. That there is such a thing as sovereign relationships, where God puts people in our life, and connects us with them, and says, hey, this is a relationship I want you to connect with. I want you to be established in this relationship, or these relationships. We, we don't really get to choose where we're placed, but it's a matter of recognizing where God is placing us. Now, if you, this goes completely against our culture. And this goes completely against a lot of what happens in American Christianity where the whole, the consumer mindset of our culture, where it's, well, like the way we pick a grocery store is the way people pick a church. It's like, oh, where do I like the produce the most? Where do I, where is the, lo- the best goods for the least price? That's how we make a lot of our decisions in our culture. It's like, where can I get what I want? Where can I find what I like? And where is it going to cost me the least? Is that right? Isn't that how we go about and isn't that so often how people pick a church? Yeah. It's like, oh, I like the music, I like the children's ministry, I like this, I don't like that. Oh, you know, and there's this sense of like test, you know, shopping and figuring out what do we like. And that's not how God does this thing. He picks where we get connected. And our job is to discern where that is. Um, that's, it goes against that consumerism. It also goes against our individualism. Because it says God, when he saves us, he places us in a family. He places us in a body, as he sees fit. I, it's interesting that, you know, in, in, in a month and a half, a little over a month, we're going to celebrate our, our national holiday. Which, what's it called? Fourth of July. Independence Day. Fourth of July, too, yes. <laughs> <But> the, <laughs> 
The other answer I'm really looking for is Independence Day because that's like the highest value in America. Is man, we're independent. We kick those red coats off our back, man. We are independent. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to be my own man. I'm going to be my own woman. I'm going to do what I want. And yeah, America. That's right. You know, and there's, there's some aspect God makes us to be one and to be many. There is an aspect of being individuals, of having an identity that's unique, that's very important. But there is an individualism that becomes very unhealthy, becomes the individual disconnected from the community. And it's not a coincidence that America, the leaders of the world in our independence, lead the world in broken families and divorce. Because this mentality doesn't work very, lo- very well in forming committed, long-term, healthy relationships. There's so much of the, the dysfunction in, in our family systems, in our culture, comes out of, out of this independence. And out of this consumerism, where it's like, hey, what, what am I looking for for me? And God, man, he just totally comes a whole different way with it. And so, you know, discerning... Figuring out, okay, how can I be part of the family God has for me? It's, it's discerning the, the relationships God's called me to. Um, and, you know, this, this works out in different ways, but, but it's so important. And one of the best business books I ever read, I haven't read a ton, but I read a handful. There's a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins that's just a classic that talks about how businesses go from being good businesses to great businesses. And a lot of it applies to, to any organization. But he says, hey, what great businesses do is they ask the question, first who, then what? They figure out who is supposed to be on this team first, and then they figure out what are we supposed to do together. Instead of like, hey, what's, the, what's our business plan? What are we going to do? It's, they, they look at, no, who are the people that, that our team is, and then what are we called together to do together? It talks about getting the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus. And... You know, this is very true, but so often we make decisions different than that. We think about even in making our life plans. It's like, okay, what am I called to do? What are my interests? What, are, what am I going to do? And we often think about the what, when oftentimes really important issues are the who. And I'm not going to you know, go into that too much more, but just to challenge us to think about that in, in our life decisions. It's not just what do we do, but who are the people? Like, the, if I'm called to do something, it's with a group of people. It's with a church family, and that is really important. I know for me, I, I had life plans that, that were different. I, I thought I was going to graduate from college and go move, actually move overseas somewhere. And in college, though, God did so much in my life, and I knew for me, and I'm not putting this on anybody else, like it's different how this works in every situation, but I knew that some of those relationships for me were supposed to be really long-term relationships. Like, lifelong relationships. Not just where we were friends, but we, where we were building God's kingdom together. And I made decisions about what I was going to do. Where I was going to live. Like, okay, I know I'm supposed to stay in Lawrence, Kansas for a season. Because I need to be building with this group of people. And then, we, we lived in St. Louis for a while. And we came ready for another move. It's like, I know those relationships in Kansas, those are people I'm supposed to build with. And we had opportunities to move to Michigan. Other stuff. It's like, no, I believe we're called to move to Manhattan. And one of the reasons is, is because some of the key people that I'm called to walk with, that's going to be the scenario where we walk together. And I'll tell you, the fruit of, of the blessing for our, my 
physical family and the changed lives that has come out of those relationships, like I could not have manufactured that any other way because it's essential that we discern the relationships God has called us to. So, again, I don't want to make this like, hey, you can't ever leave Manhattan or you can't, you, have, you know, no, this looks different for everybody, but it's wherever God's calling you to, it's finding those relationships and valuing those relationships and being intentional about establishing those. So family is established relationships. The second thing a family is, is close relationships. This is kind of you know, what, what strikes at the heart, what we think about. This is what's behind the whole, like, K-State family tagline, you know, it's like, or CTG family we talk about. It's like, yeah, there's a sense of family, like, we've got real relationships. There's a closeness, there's, there's a camaraderie. And this is what, what God has called the church to be. The very heart of it. First Peter three eight, in the Living Bible, we're told you should be like one big happy family, full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another, with tender hearts, and humble minds. Man, doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that, doesn't that sound like what we all want, right there? That's what. Yeah, man, one big happy family. It's awesome. It sounds nice, but I just want to say that when I think about this, a lot of me says, you know, that sounds nice, but really, close relationships are just a bad idea. This is where a lot of people land. Like, through our experiences, like, man, I'm not going to get close to people because I got hurt. I got burned. I, it's too painful. It's too stinking difficult to walk in relationship with people. It feels like a bad idea because because people are very imperfect. People are exhausting sometimes. People will hurt us. People are, are fickle. You know, I, there's a story in the book of Acts where the apostles were, were preaching the gospel and the, the crowds were like, oh my goodness, this is so amazing. They're gods. This is like Apollos and Zeus. And they started saying Paul and Barnabas were gods. And when Paul and Barnabas heard it, they're like, no, 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 no. We're just men like you. We're just, they, but they were wanting to, to make sacrifices to them. But Paul and Barnabas were like, no, 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 we're just men like you. And then, like the next sentence, it says, and then the opinion of the crowd turned, and a riot started, and they tried to kill them. <laughs> That's what people are like. <laughs> That's what we're like. I mean, it's so fickle, so like, yeah, it's awesome, and then it's horrible. And, man, living in close relationship, you've got to walk through all that sort of stuff. Um, it's hard. It's close relationships are a bad idea because you're busy, right? I mean, close relationships take some time. They take, it's, and we're busy. It's hard to have close relationships in the business of our lives. And really, close relationships are a bad idea because they're expensive. You know, I mean, you, family is expensive. I got five kids, I'll tell you. Family is expensive. It is, yeah, I get some excitement back here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You had no idea. I remember when we, were having, when we were young and dumb and having babies, and all these older people were like, you know, how are you doing this? It's like, no, we're just in love. We're having a family. It's great. And then, like, I had no idea how many hundreds of thousands of dollars this was going to cost me to have a family. It's, it's so worth it. It's worth every penny and more. But it's expensive. And, and family, it takes, it, it, it's expensive in our time. Close relationships are expensive in our energy. It's expensive in our money, um, our personal space. It 
has a price tag. And that's, that's just the reality. It doesn't matter. We, a lot of you have heard that, the idea of love languages. There are five love languages that people express and receive love in different ways. Um, some people like to spend time together. That's how you feel love. There's words of, of encouraging words, positive words. There's physical touch, um, what are gifts, and acts of service. Every one of those languages, it's expensive, right? It's expensive to buy gifts for people. It's expensive to share a lot of meaningful time with people. It's expensive to, to be thinking of encouraging things to, to tell people. Sometimes it feels real expensive. It's, it, it takes something out of us, but close relationships have a price tag. And that's, that's really, you know, what, if we want to experience family, if we want to experience close relationships, we have to realize that they are expensive. Close relationships are expensive, but they're worth it. Um, and a lot of times, that's a question we need to ask ourselves. If, how much am I investing in family? Like, the relationships I'm experiencing, they're proportional to what I'm investing in the relationships. Uh, well, let's, let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and, and following. This is the description of the church when it first started. It said, so those who received his word, this was Peter who was preaching, those who received what he was saying were baptized. There were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And that's, that's expensive. They were devoting themselves, their time, the, the, rela- the relationships, the community, Verse 44, and all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. Now, that's getting really expensive here. So saying, like, they consider their stuff not to just be their own, but to be common. Like, hey, what's mine is yours. It's not about me. I'm sharing my life. I'm sharing my resources with the community. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Man, that's, that's amazing. I think when we, whenever I read that story, it's like, oh man, that's what I want. Oh wait, is it really? It's like, I want to be in a community where everyone else is living like this. That sounds awesome. But... Am I willing to be part of living like that in my relationships with people? But that is, we all, we, there's something in this is like, yeah, that's what I want to be part of. I kind of side note, but I think a lot of times we, we think there's a trade-off between quality of relationships and quantity. And there is that, I would say, but sometimes we think there's a, there's a trade-off. Like, you, if you want to have a church that has real family, it has to stay kind of small. Because if you get big, then you can't really have close relationships. And this story proves that that's not true. If they had 3,000 people added in one day, and then people getting saved day by day by day, and they were experiencing this incredible closeness of relationship. And so it's not a matter of size, but it's a matter of us owning the responsibility for the family. Um, but it comes down to that. It comes down to, to giving of ourselves. In John 15, 13, Jesus said that there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. 
That's what love really is. It's, it's, it's giving of ourselves for other people. Um, so close relationships, they're, they, they, they could cost something. And then just one more thing I want to say before I close is that close relationships are also transparent. If we want to have close relationships, we've got to be open and open ourselves up to other people. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, we read this. John writes, and he says, If we say we have fellowship with him, fellowship with God, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, and that means not hiding, that means being open, that our life is open before other people. We're, yeah, we're living, we're living openly. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's walking in the light, it's walking transparently that leads us to have fellowship with other people. Often we feel like, man, I got this thing in my life, I got this fear, I got this addiction, I've got this bad habit, I've got this sin, and man, if people knew about that, they wouldn't like me. They wouldn't let me be close. They'd be, see ya. But actually, it's keeping that stuff hidden up, keeping our fears hidden up, keeping, up our, in, keeping our insecurities hidden, our, our, our temptations, our struggles, places where we're stumbling, our sin. Keeping that hidden actually keeps us from relationship with other people. But it's having trusted people that you are opening up to. Say, hey, this is what's going on. Man, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what's going on in my head. This is what I'm worried about. That breeds just incredible closeness, actually. That, you think about it, when someone opens up to you like that, then you like them more. Then you're drawn towards them. And it's a skill. And coming into close relationships, it's, it's having people that we're living closely with, where we're opening up with and being transparent about what's going on in our life. All right, family, finding family. I feel like this is so important. I feel like I just want to commission every one of you, because I know a lot of people are gone this summer, people are gone this weekend. So I want to commission you to get this in your heart and life and be someone who not only is like, yeah, I got this, but I'm, I'm spreading this. I'm helping other people get it. I'm communicating this and modeling this for other people. I just want to live, leave with a couple of questions for us. First one is, is are you looking for a church based on preference, or are you discerning where God is placing you? What are you looking for? Is it a matter of, what do I like? What is comfortable? Or is it, no, there's something more here. This, where is, what is God? What, where is God placing me? Next question is, is God calling you to open up with other people? to be transparent. And the third question is, is God calling you to, to give of your time, of your energy, of your affection, of your finances, of your personal space, of something else? Is, is there something God's calling you to, to spend, to be, to, to be willing to pay the expensive price that it takes to find family? Um, you know, I, I love how in, a lot of times when I hear people's story about this community that 
who God has joined at Bluemont, the thing they say is, man, I, I found community. I found family. I found relationships. And that's such a gift that, that God has given us and other people have fought for. And man, my, my heart is that, and I believe God's heart is that that would not just be something that we have, but that it would grow, that it would extend, that we would, we would guard that and then we would be spreading that to more and more people because that's what we need and that's what the world needs. So I'm just going to pray for us and ask God to help us. Lord, thank you for the gift of family. Thank you for the gift of living with other people, of being known, of having nothing to hide, of having encouragement. Lord, I ask that for everyone here this morning that you would make clear the application of this for us. Lord, I pray that there would be a, wherever we're at, there would be a greater understanding of the, the divine relationships, the divine placement that you have for us, that we would either find where you've placed us in your family or that we would recognize and, and even be more intentional about those. God, help us to be open. Help us to be transparent. Help us to, to give of ourselves and to find the fullness of life that comes in that place. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for the gift of our relationships. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.